0: have been inspired by these young, courageous ladies and their decision to be baptized today and would like to consider baptism for yourself, that I would encourage you uh, to reach out to one of us, fill in the little piece of paper in the seat in front of you and hand it to us at the door, or reach out to us later in the week. We'd love to have a conversation with you because we're going to be having more baptisms coming up in the, in the near future. One of my favorite late night shows is uh, Stephen Colbert. And um, I enjoy him as a talk host. And one of the things that he will often do when he's interviewing. Um, his guests is he has a quiz for them where he asks them 10 rapid-fire questions. It's called the Stephen Colbert Questionnaire. And so you're you're talking about movie stars and musicians, politicians, kind of famous people. And he will ask them these 10 kind of rapid-fire questions just to kind of give them something to talk about in the way of the interview. And so I thought maybe we could try it a little bit here this morning. Are you up for a little activity? Are you ready to engage a little? Uh, So I'm going to put some questions on the screen. I'll call them out and you just kind of say out your answer right away. Are you ready? Your favorite sandwich? Okay. Apples or oranges? I think I heard bananas. I don't think that was an option. Dogs or cats? Okay, see this happened at 9.30 too. If you're playing at home, um, like the place explodes at the dogs or cats one. Uh, I said none of them, but uh, I, I sensed you feel very, very strongly about, uh, about your response here. All right, here's another one, a little trickier. If you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, what song would it be? Happy Birthday. Happy birthday. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay, okay. Thinking that you'll get gifts after every time you... I like it. I think that's good. That's good. Uh, so this is the, he does this in, in, the, in, the, in his interviews with people, but one of the things that, um, Colbert is a, is a strong Catholic, and so one of the questions he always asks everybody in the questionnaire that always kind of stops everyone and has them thinking is this question, what do you think happens when we die? And as he's going through these questions from apples to oranges, dogs to cats, favorite song, what happens, what do you think happens when we die? Everybody stops and they get kind of thoughtful. And they kind of come up with an answer, and their answers are unique. Sometimes they're all over the map. Sometimes they're, uh, you know, kind of traditional answers. Uh, sometimes it's about reincarnation. Uh, sometimes they talk about, you know, we become angels. One of my favorite answers was uh, one of the guests said, "I believe that when we die, we become a bird, and we become a bird that comes back and encourages the most discouraged person on the day that we died." Which, again, I thoughtful. But I thought, you know, that requires a lot of faith to believe that that is what happens to us when we die. We're going to come back to this question in a little bit. Um, One of the story we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today from John's Gospel. And it's a fascinating story because it captures something that Jesus did that was so controversial and so upsetting. And made people so uncomfortable that they actually started to plan and have meetings about how to have Jesus executed. What Jesus did in the passage that we're going to look at today bothered them so much they said, that's it. This man must die. So turn with me today in your Bibles to John chapter 11. If you're using a Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 1668, John chapter 11. I'm going to read a little bit and talk a little bit and we'll kind of work through it and then we'll come back to, uh, to our question here this morning. John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love Is sick. Now, it must have been hard for for John to write that because John, of course, always refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loves. But he mentions three people here. First, Mary. Mary, as is mentioned later on, closer to Jesus' death, would be at a table where Jesus is dining. And she would come and pour perfume on his feet and weep in tears, overwhelmed by his grace and mercy in her life and created quite a scene. Uh, Martha, the sister. Martha, uh, you'll remember maybe a story where Jesus and his entourage show up at their home one day, and so Martha, in good Middle Eastern hospitality style, decides to prepare a big meal and feed everybody, but Mary remains seating. So Martha comes out and kind of scolds Mary that while I'm doing all the work, you're just sitting there. And Jesus, of course, reminds Martha, that Mary had chosen the right thing. And then Lazarus. Lazarus was a well known businessman in the community of Bethany, and he's sick. So let's keep reading at verse, starting at verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness is not the end. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Let's jump ahead to verse 14 and just imagine that Jesus and the disciples are having this conversation about whether Lazarus is sick and gone to sleep or whether he's actually died. In verse 14, so then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now, as I'm reading that, maybe that sets you a bit on edge because Jesus sounds so confident, but not very compassionate. I mean, if you came to me after the service today and said, Look, you know, my aunt is, is sick, and I'm like, Is she dying? Because I'm only interested in hearing from you if she's dying, you would think, Okay, this guy has a problem, and you'd be, you'd be right. But Jesus seems very confident, but he doesn't seem very compassionate. In fact, when he hears the news that his very good friend is sick, He decides to stay where he is for two more days. And then Jesus has that line saying, no, he's dead, and in fact, I'm glad that I wasn't there to help him because this is going to give an opportunity for you to see God's glory. Almost as if he's saying, I'm glad this tragedy has fallen on this family so that I can do something significant. And if that maybe bothers you or upsets you a little bit, hold on to that because we're going to come back to it in a minute. Let's jump again in verse 17. Jesus is now off to go see them. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to him, The one who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So Lazarus is sick. Jesus gets the news. Lazarus dies because Jesus waits two days. And Jesus now walks into this painful season. If you've ever gone to visit someone who's lost a loved one, you know how that feels. You kind of know how the house feels. And Jesus arrives, and Mary or Martha is angry at him. If you had been here, this never would have happened. I've been with you, Jesus, and I've seen you heal people. I've seen you cast out demons. I've seen you heal people of their blindness. I've even seen you spit in the mud and make some concoction and rub it on their face and it healed them. I've seen you heal people. And I was hoping you were going to come and heal Lazarus, but you did not show up. To which Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha seems partly comforted by this. Um, And then it's almost as if she's answering Stephen Colbert's question, what what do you think happens to us when when we die? And she says, yes, I know he'll rise again. Later on, when God comes back and puts the world back right, and he comes back and does his redemption thing, then I know, yes, yes, I know that he'll rise again. Not today, but, but someday. And maybe you're starting to get the sense of what's going on here. Jesus is walking into this broken situation with such confidence. Martha is clinging to the hope that someday, that day way off in the future, when God does something great, then and only then will I actually get to see my brother again. And Jesus agrees with her theology, but he does not agree with her timing. And he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives, in, lives their life believing in me will never die. Jesus is saying to Martha this, that someday, that future event that you can't wait for it to happen, that day way off in the future that you think God is going to do something amazing, it's happening today. It's going to happen today, right now, right here in front of all of these people. You don't have to wait to the end. Jesus says, I am both resurrection and I am life. The kingdom is going to come today. My will will be done today on earth as I would love it to be, as it will be someday in heaven. It's coming today. Resurrection, Martha, where I go and return to you what death has stolen. The things that death has taken from you, I'm going to bring them back to you. And life, life To the fullest. And then Jesus does the thing that upsets people, makes them so uncomfortable that they realize he is not just another great religious teacher. There's something else going on here, and we need to deal with him once and for all. Let's start reading again at verse 34. Jesus shows up and he says, Where have you laid Lazarus? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once again more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. And if you grew up with the King James Version, you remember it said, she said, his body stinketh. Verse 41, 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So he took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, "'Father, I thank you that you have heard me. "'I know that you always hear me, "'but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, "'that they may believe that you've sent me.'" And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, "'Lazarus, come out!' And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, "'Take off the grave clothes,' And let him go. And in verse 53, it says this, So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. What Jesus did set in motion the plan to kill him. The fact that Jesus brought Lazarus from death to life. Now I'm not going to ask you today to believe in a resurrection just because I say so. That would be foolhardy and I won't insult you with that. Um, There's many people who claim, you know, was Jesus resurrected? Was he not? Is it a metaphor? But we believe in the literal resurrection of Lazarus and the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead on this Easter Sunday. I know it's difficult. We live in a day where science and technology and modern medicine are so incredible and so advanced, and yet we cannot bring people back to life. And I know that there's no cell phone footage, there was no security camera footage that accidentally caught Jesus being resurrected. And so it requires faith. And, but whatever you believe happens to us when we die requires faith. Lazarus' resurrection and the resurrection of Jesus are probable but not provable, and they require faith. There's different arguments of that kind of, kind of help us maybe move towards pro- the probability of the resurrection if you're struggling with that a little bit today. One of them is that they have never, no one ever claimed to have, be able to prove Jesus' crucified body. That when the church began and everybody was saying, he's risen and I've seen him, if he hadn't been risen and if he was still dead, either the Romans or the, or the Pharisees could have actually gotten his body, his dead body, and showed it off and say, no, he's not, here he is, he's dead but they didn't. They couldn't. Others would say um, that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He was just like seriously, seriously injured. But the Romans were pros at killing people. They had crucifixion down to a science. And when the gospel writer says that when they drove a spear into Jesus' side and water and blood flowed out together, it was medical proof that Jesus was literally dead. Others argue that the disciples lied, it was a sham. They knew he wasn't resurrected, but they kept it going for either their own personal benefit or because they were too embarrassed to admit this guy that they'd followed for three years actually got killed and nothing became of it. But the problem with that argument is all of these disciples faced martyrdom. They were killed for their belief that Jesus was literally risen from the dead. In fact, many of them were tortured, Uh, some of them were beheaded, some were crucified upside down, some were eaten by lions, some were burned to death, and never at any point did they recount their testimony that they had seen Jesus resurrected, leaving us to ask, would you die for something if you knew it wasn't true? And then there's this fact that today, around the world, two billion people will gather together to celebrate because of an experience that they have had personally with somebody who died 2,000 years ago. So the resurrection is probable, not provable, and it requires faith. But whatever you believe about what happens when we die requires faith. Sometimes, um, if I'm at a funeral, uh, I will hear people talking about the person that has passed on that they loved. And you'll hear all kinds of different things that people talk about in that moment. You'll talk about uh, the person that we love is looking down on us. Uh, they've been reunited with other family members and they're getting to see them again. Um, or that we're going to see them someday as well. And these are lovely, lovely sentiments. But they all require a certain amount of faith to believe that that is true. If you believe that the person that you've loved is now in heaven looking down on you, they have gone from being deceased to being alive, and if they've gone from being deceased to being alive, then they have experienced some kind of death-to-life experience, whether that's resurrection or whatever it might be, but you're believing that they have actually gone from death to life, and the question then becomes, well, how, how did they do that? Did they do that on their own strength? As Christians, we believe that when Jesus died, He didn't resurrect Himself, he placed his hands and his faith in the, in the hands of his heavenly Father who resurrected him to life with his power. So if you think that you, when you get to heaven, will resurrect yourself, um, you know, that takes a certain measure of faith as well. So it matters. And I know maybe we don't think about this today, but there will be a day that this question becomes really, really important to us. And Jesus walks into this family situation who are grieving, and he knows what's on their minds, and he gives them an answer and clarity. And Jesus invites Martha, and Jesus invites us to wrestle with this question, what happens to us when we die? Or maybe a better question might be this, into whose hands will I trust myself when this life ends? Into whose hands will I trust myself When this life ends, am I trusting myself with myself? Am I trusting my parents, my reputation, my good deeds, my money? Because when you're gone, your kids have already spent it. It's gone. Your money won't be of any use to you. Am I trusting the fact that I'm better than my neighbor? I'm better than the average person? Because Jesus himself, when he died, trusted his life within the hands of his heavenly father to bring Him back to life, and He invites you and I to do the same thing, to believe in Him as the ultimate act of faith and trust. But it's even better than that. Not only when we die, Jesus today invites us to ask this question, who is it that I entrust my life to today? Into whose hands will I place my life today? Jesus was concerned about whether Lazarus goes to heaven someday, yes. But he was also concerned about getting heaven into Lazarus on that day. And God is concerned for the same thing for you and I. He does not, he's not only interested in whether you go to heaven someday. He wants to get heaven into you now. And when he does, you experience a resurrection. We had these lovely baptisms this morning. A baptism is a story of a resurrection that happened now, in this day. That we trusted ourselves to Christ, and we were heading towards death, and now we're heading towards life. That we trusted ourselves to Christ, and He's given us a brand new start. All of our sins have been forgiven. It's a resurrection. And that we have His power in our lives today. It's brand new. God is doing it today. The resurrection isn't something that happened for Lazarus and Jesus, and then will happen someday when we go to heaven. It can happen today because of the power of God available to us today so whose hands are you entrusting with your life today whose hands are you entrusting your life when your time comes Jesus stands and says to you today I am the resurrection and the life let me pray Lord Jesus, we thank you that you offer us clarity and opportunity and that today we could experience a resurrection in our lives as we trust in you and as we say, Lord, I'm going to place my life into your hands and I want to experience a resurrection today. I want to experience your life flowing through me today. And Lord, we thank you for the comfort and confidence that that gives us throughout this life and into the life to come. We thank you that even as you showed up in that sad, broken, tragic situation, you came with hope and you came with life. And we celebrate that today in Christ.